Welcome back, everybody, as we welcome in Zuba Mahente from ESPN right here. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. Uh, Zuba, take me back with your memory. Is Darius Geis now out for the season after just carrying the football a couple of times in a meaningless preseason game for the Washington Redskins, now done with an ACL injury? Is this Kaijana Carter with the Cincinnati Bengals all over again? Well, maybe it feels like that. I mean, there's been some unfortunate things that have happened over the years, whether it's been Kijana, whether it's been this guy's injury, obviously referencing the running backs there. But it just goes to show, I remember we were doing Center last night, and the bulk of the attention, obviously, was on Baker and Saquon. But we ran that specific play. You know, there was some attention on Tannehill, Andrew Luck. Uh, the guy's thing got a little bit of a mention um, but he said he was going to have an MRI last night when we left it. And then, of course, whenever you ask the player how they feel, they're going to tell you they were fine. Because guys said after the game, I'm good. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, players just have that mentality that they can play through anything. But the biggest thing is, obviously, he popped at Redskins training camp. He was one of the biggest breakout stars uh, they've had. I think the expectations were a little bit low for Washington this year. Uh, it's interesting they gave Alex Smith a four-year extension without actually taking a snap. But the expectations relative to the rest of the division, everybody in the rest of the division is getting a huge amount of oxygen relative to the Redskins. Uh, this will obviously put Washington on the map for all the wrong reasons. But he was a spectacular player at LSU, backed up Leonard Fournette when he got his one year. Uh, when Fournette left, he was great. And he had really been a breakout star for the Redskins. So this is a really unfortunate injury, but it's just one of those situations where I don't think you can go back and play the revisionist history. It was a carry. He got taken down. It wasn't wild. He wasn't stretching for extra yardage. He wasn't trying to get to the boundary. He was just taken off and got caught. So I think a lot of times the initial reaction is, oh, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Why was he out there? Well, he was out there because he's a rookie and he needs to be out there, just like Saquon Barkley at his position was out there. So I think people need to pump the brakes on the, this is too bad, what really happened. I think this is just part of life. It's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, these things are liable to happen all the time. I mean, Andrew Luck came back out there last night for the first time in 585 days. At some point, you just got to come back out there, and the consequences are what they are. That's it. Zubin, uh, the NFL last night, we finally got a full slate of games. Uh, clunky for the most part. That first preseason game, it's football. We've been starving for it. We got it back. How overrated, though, the first preseason game? And, and do you feel at times that maybe we're going a little bit too far here with some of these these highlights and the talking points? Or, you know it, football, hey, you do whatever you can. No, I think it's the latter because we're different and you guys are different um, than we're different than most everybody else and you guys are too, which is whatever people are talking about, they're talking about. I mean, football season's not even here for Iowa and Iowa State, but you guys are probably leading with Iowa and Iowa State every day because that's what your viewers and listeners want, right? And we're doing the exact same thing that you guys are doing with Iowa and Iowa State. Well, you know, the games aren't until September 1. There's no lack of discussion, whether it's the new Mid-American field whether it's Matt Campbell saying, I'm only here to talk about one school and not other schools, whether it's Iowa's latest football suspension, whatever it is. I mean, that doesn't have much to do with the games, but there's such a level of interest there that you have to talk about it. Same with us. I mean, listen, last night, our first highlight was Baker. Our second highlight was Saquon. Our third highlight was Damian Woody breaking down <laughs> Saquon and Baker. Our fourth highlight was Joe Tessitore and Jason Witten breaking down Baker Mayfield. We did all of that before we even touched baseball and there's some huge things in baseball last night verlander is one of the worst outings of his career the mariners are in the biggest stretch they've arguably had in years they're playing four against houston 
three against Oakland at Oakland next week. They haven't made the playoffs in 17 years. They're the longest drought of any of the major pro sports. It's a great storyline. The Dodgers and the Rockies are playing a gigantic four-game series. All of that, the Red Sox, Mookie Betts hit for the cycle last night. Stanton went yard last night. All this stuff happened last night. But it was more important to make sure we mentioned Baker Mayfield completed 55% of his passes, was 11 mm-hmm. for 20. And if that's what people want, that's what people want. My biggest takeaway, though, Trent, I would say, is something that both Damian Woody and Jason Witten said last night, which is if the whole crux of the NFL is competition, 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 best guy wins, Russell Wilson can get drafted in the third round and beat out Matt Flynn, who they guaranteed like $24 million or $18 million or whatever it was, if that's really the onus of the NFL to come in and compete for every single position, maybe, and I, I tend to agree with these guys, maybe it's a little crazy to say maybe it might be Tyrod's job because Tyrod is better. Tyrod looked great last night. He didn't do anything to dissuade anybody. It was his job. But if you're going to preach competition at every single position on the field for every single team, then why already declare it over for Cleveland? I don't think there's anything that says that Baker can overtake him. But if the whole thing is give it everything you got, everybody's got to earn everything, every 53rd position in this locker room has to be earned, then why would you put a cap on it and say it's over between Baker and Tyrod? The obvious reason is that he was 1-31, <laughs> and he needs to win some games. And obviously at, at this particular juncture, um, Tyrod probably gives him a better chance to win day one against the Steelers than Baker does. But I, I agree with their larger point, both of those guys, that if it's all about competing and earning it and besting the other guy, then why would you take your most important position on a team and say it's already been decided? I'm with you on that. Uh, look, as if uh, New York, or at least the tri-state area, wasn't the epicenter with everybody wanting to uh, see Baker Mayfield last night, it's going to be like that again this evening. With the Jets in competition, hosting Atlanta, Sam Darnold is the big, uh, the big name, but both Trent and I, we want to see Darnold, of course, but we think Teddy Bridgewater is going to get some playing time here as well. Where are you on this? And would they use Bridgewater if he shows well in preseason as a bargaining chip to make a deal? Yeah, I think the latter is a great point. I think that's been discussed for a latter part of this week, that um, Darnold has probably exceeded expectations, whatever that means, considering we haven't even played a preseason game yet. But uh, he's done enough to say that if they do start him, uh, they could have McCown as a backup. And Bridgewater, obviously, is a little bit more of a valuable asset than McCown because of McCown's age, and obviously Darnold won't be available. So the one chip that Mike McCagnan has is Bridgewater, and maybe that's part of the reason they acquired him um, as an insurance policy, or maybe they acquired him as a trade ship. We see the Pats do that all the time, draft guys all the time, and then turn and flip them. Um, so I think you're going to see quite a bit of him tonight. I think he's an easy guy to root for. I think a lot of guys want him to do well coming off that injury. But I think you got to keep in mind that Darnold is only 21. He just turned 21 and i'll tell you the best time you can notice that you may see it tonight depending on what kind of availability the jets give him listen to darnold at the podium and he, he, when you hear him at the podium you will absolutely say to yourself man he's 21 years old <laughs> you know he talks with a lot of ums and yeah and like and but and there's nothing wrong with that but it just goes to show this is the premier position namus played this position um with the jets and this is a huge position on an NFL team that gets a lot of attention, that's desperately been looking for a quarterback that had Mark Sanchez and Tim Tebow that had a little bit of notoriety, and then guys like Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty that haven't been able to do much, Geno Smith that had a little bit of either. But it's one of those things where they're putting it all in the hands of a 
28-year-old guy and just turned 21. Again, he could easily still be playing at USC, easily still be playing at USC at that age. And now he's out there in the NFL playing for a team, like you said, in a white-hot media market. So it'll be interesting. I think you've got to play Bridgewater to put him out there in front of other teams. But I think at the same token, I like what the Jets are doing in terms of why delay the inevitable. This is our guy. McCown's not our guy. Um, so let's just get him out there. Let's get the bumps and bruises out of the way. Aikman went 1-15 in his rookie year. Peyton Manning went 3-13. and And you had to go through those growing pains. There's no way around that. There's no more Carson Palmer sitting watching John Kitna. That's really a thing of the past. So I think if you're Darnold, you just got to get out there and you live with the results because they, these guys are tethered to the hip for the next few years and hopefully for the next decade or decade and a half. Why delay it? Let's see what he's got. Zubin Mahente joining us here from ESPN. Zubin, uh, one more on the NFL for me. Baker Mayfield last night uh, was a lot of fun, and it's the hard knocks bump that you have there. On the other side, Saquon Barkley, big media market in New York, can bust off the big plays. Who turns out to be a bigger NFL star, the number one pick, Baker Mayfield, or Saquon Barkley with the Giants? It's a tough call because I think it's, everything goes according to plan. Let's just say we hit the ceiling for both guys. It's odd. It's, it's hard for one, two to go great. And I mean, obviously, when you draft a guy one, two, you're thinking about all pro potential. And if you're really getting lucky, you can't in potential. But I think the issue is, is Baker probably won't even be into his prime. If he's most quarterbacks, again, I don't know. He'll be in his prime from, like, let's say, 28 to 32. And if Saquon is like most running backs, and I think the Giants feel he's not like most running backs, he's atypical. And by the time you get to 30, it might be winding down. So I think it's a little bit of a tough comparison. If both of them played the same position, Trent, I think it'd be more of an apt comparison. But you're basically saying by the time Saquon might be close to being done, now obviously he's pretty multidimensional, he can catch passes out of the backfield, etc. But by the time Saquon might be close to hitting his quote-unquote ceiling, let's just call it 30, if he's a back or an above-average back, and Baker might at that point just be getting into his prime. So I think it's tough to say. But all indications are both guys stay healthy. Mayfield would last in the league far longer than Saquon Barkley, not because he's any better of a player or a better athlete, but just because the quarterback position and the way it's protected, obviously with the rules, um, dictates that he would have a much longer career. So on the merits, I would probably choose Baker, but I think I'd have to mitigate that because I think Saquon would have to be established and evaluated on a smaller sample size than Baker Mayfield. Having a great conversation with ESPN, Zubin Mahente, here on the Big Talker 1700. Uh, Zubin, we briefly touched on some Major League Baseball because of what was uh, everybody was watching last night was the NFL. Uh, as, as working at ESPN, are you guys now that the NFL is back and college is coming up quickly, are you guys still as dialed in on Major League Baseball? Your network still shows games. Oh, for sure. I mean, we got a great Sunday night game coming up this week between Washington and Chicago. I just think when it's Sports Center, the whole gist of it is you've got to be able to give people what they want in the order that they want. We're not showing any less baseball. We're just waiting a little bit longer to get to it because this is a football country. I mean, we had a two-minute, 40-second highlight last night of Justin Verlander. That's about as long as you're going to see on any sport, frankly. And that was just a regular season baseball game. He got roughed up. He made a couple comments earlier this week about his mental state and about how his wife had helped him through some things. So obviously there was a need to see a little bit more. He struck out 14 in his last game. I previously mentioned how big of a deal this game was for the Mariners. So we're still showing a ton of Major League Baseball. We're reporting on pretty much every trade that's going on out there. But I think a lot of times, even baseball fans would have to admit right now, if it's 11 o'clock at night, like tonight we'll be on at 11 o'clock Eastern time, we're getting ready 
to do our show tonight, I mean, we're definitely going to lead with uh, probably Sam Darnold or somebody else football-wise before we get to even the biggest Major League Baseball game out there. So you're in a situation where you have to look at it and simply say, we got to give the people what they want. Do they certainly want baseball? You bet. And when it comes to early October, maybe the first weekend of November, if we get it there, it'll get just as much, if not more, attention than the NFL. I just think we remember watching Game 7 of the World Series last year, or any game of the World Series, frankly, last year that fell on a Sunday, and it getting far more attention than the Sunday night football game. I think Dodgers-Astros captured the imagination of the country with what Houston went through and casual fans seeing Jose Altuve for the first time being like, seriously, that guy? You know, all that sort of stuff. So I think when baseball hits its crescendo, uh, we'll cover it as much as we cover anything. But look, you guys love college basketball. I love it. But here we cover it like six weeks a year because the general assumption is it's a six-week-year sport, and we get on it hardcore for those six weeks. But uh, football is one of those things that kind of carries over. Even college football for a lot of people, not like you and me, but for a lot of people, college football is a Saturday-only sport. The NFL is just the one sport that can permeate 24-7, 365. So, but I would je- definitely bet that when baseball hits its apex, when it's as big as it gets, we'll be all over it. Zubin, a couple days ago on ESPN, the deuce turned into the Ocho. Did you get to do any, I don't know, spin ball, rock, paper, scissors, dodgeball? <laughs> any of those of interest of you as ESPN flipped on August 8th? I didn't have a chance to do it. I was actually off. Uh, I guess I wasn't complaining about it either, uh, just because uh, I don't like to get physically harmed when I show up. I like to leave and arrive in one piece. No, um, it's funny. I went out to dinner last night, and as soon as I walked into the restaurant, it's funny you say this, the guy, the guy behind the counter said, man, if you guys put the Ocho on every day, I'd watch every day. And I was just like, okay, let me take wow. that to be a programming executive. But it just goes to show, every once in a while, people want a change of pace. And, and literally, I mean, he could have talked to me about the NFL, uh, this guy I've met before, he's a big Premier League fan. He could have talked about that starting up this weekend or whatever. And the first thing this guy went to, look, we're, in the, we're right in the middle of the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Pats and the Giants. He could have talked about anything. And the first thing this guy wanted me to talk, wanted to talk about was like some dodgeball game or whatever was going on <laughs> with the Ocho. So I think from a change of pace perspective, it's actually pretty welcome by a lot of fans. And you know how it is, guys, whether it's radio flipping on the dial or TV flipping, so much harder to capture a viewer or a listener than it used to be. Obviously, you know, podcasts have made things a little bit easier for your listeners to be able to listen whenever they want. But at a certain point, it's almost as simple as if you flip the channels and see something that you have to do a double take and be like, what is that? What is going yeah. on right there? That yeah. might be enough to actually have you stop for one second and pay attention. And with so many options today and people having so little time and attention spans being so short, if something can just kind of catch you out of the corner of your eye, you're more likely to watch it. This is definitely not the old days anymore where there was, you know, three options. And when Fox came along, there were four options. And you got to watch one of these four things and two of these things that are commercial. So let's go to the other two. You know, and there's so many options now that if something kind of catches your eye and makes you take a step back like the Ocho does, you might actually have a better chance of stopping and watching it for a few minutes. And honestly, from a TV perspective, that's also the name of the game. Whatever we're putting on, we'd like you to watch <laughs> Well, absolutely. Uh, we'll let you go on this one. I saw that the uh, NBA announced its Christmas Day games. Uh, ESPN and ABC are right in the uh, thick of things right there for those games. Uh, are you excited with the matchups that you saw? Yeah, I mean, I think Lakers-Warriors is the one that will take the cake. It's prime time. Everybody's looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I did a couple of other interviews this week, and people are just 
confused to no end as to why the Knicks continue to show up on Christmas Day. And I'm kind of with them, to be honest with you. They're playing the Bucks this year, so you got the freak, you got that factor. But I think getting a team like Utah, a small market team that's got an incredible base, whether it's Mitchell or whether it's Gobert, who's actually the defensive player of the year in the NBA. they got a bright young coach in Snyder. Um, so I think it's a good mix. So you got Houston in there, check. you got a good young team like Utah, so it's not all big markets where the rest of the league can enjoy it, check. You got the Knicks for the market, check. You got the Bucks, you got the Freak, check. And then the biggest two checks of all, obviously. Uh, you got LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Lakers, Warriors. And then I believe the Lakers, Warriors rematch is on Martin Luther King Day, so it'll get itself mm-hmm. another big stage all by itself there. So uh, I think it's a good mix. I certainly think it's one game followed by the other four when it comes to Lakers, Warriors. But it's a quintuple header, and it's been great. And there used to be a day, I'm sure you remember, where Christmas used to be the unofficial start of the NBA on NBC. People weren't even really watching the NBA that much in October. Back then, it didn't even start in October. But, you know, November, and we got to December 25th, and Michael Jordan was like a Christmas game on NBC with Marv Albert and Matt Gukas at the call. And now people are jonesing for training camp in the NBA, which is next month. Think about that. People didn't used to pay attention until Christmas to the NBA when Michael was in the NBA, and now people are salivating for the start of training camp to see what Gordon and Kyrie will look like with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. The NBA has come a real long way. Good stuff. Hey, Zubin, thanks as always for your time. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend. That's Zubin Mahente getting ready over at ESPN. You'll be able to see him coming up this evening on SportsCenter. Jimmy B, you brought up the NBA, and uh, we got a little time here. So okay, I sent you the yep. released win totals from the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. The opening mm-hmm. odds that came out on the 5th. So uh, what was that? What was the 5th? I'm, re- I'm already forget. Sunday. Sunday is when they were released. So they bet out for a few days. You've had time to study them. What jumps off? Help me make some money here, Jim Brinson. Win totals in the NBA. What do you have? Uh, I'm going to give you a couple that I, that I think might uh, be able to satisfy your palate, okay? The first one I'm going to give you. Uh, is going to be what Zupin was just talking about. The Milwaukee Bucks at 46 and a half for the over under. Trent, this is a good team. A really good team. Now with Buttonholder as their new head coach. I really like the Bucks. This is a 50 win team, I believe, in the NBA this year. So I'm advising you to take the Bucks okay. and take the over. Over on the Bucks, over 46.5 is the number there. What else do you have for us, Jimmy B? I know you can't just have one. No, I have a couple here. The other that I find real interesting, and I, I don't know if you'll be in on this or not, but the Chicago Bulls, everybody thinks that the Bulls are just going to be a freaking disaster. And they could be, but... I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to be five or six games below 500. The over-under for Chicago is 27 and a half. Trent, that's down there with the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings. The Bulls are not as bad as those two teams. I'm advising you to take the Bulls on the over 27 and a half. I bet they win 35, 36, 37 games this year. Whoa, okay. That one uh, came as a bit of a surprise to me. See, I did my homework on this, pal. I'm impressed. A couple of overs. Now, Jim, 
You can't only only bet overs, though. You fall into that trap, you'll get in trouble. I know this is a degenerate. Mm -hmm. It's a trap. Do you have any unders? Any numbers you thought were too high? I thought that Golden State at 62.5 might be a little high. And the reason is, well, with what we talked about with Zuba Mahente a little while ago, with LeBron, now with the Lakers, uh, OKC, they discarded Carmelo Anthony. Most people believe that they're going to be a better team without Carmelo Anthony. And Carmelo then ends up in Houston, and a lot of people seem to think that Houston is still going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. I believe also that the San Antonio Spurs will not be a team that's just going to fall off. So I think that they will be competitive as well. So if I were going to play, I would take Golden State under 62, more like 60 for me. Good stuff. So Jimmy B's handed out winners, Bulls over, Bucks over, Warriors under. Anything else? He got three plays. Um, let me give you one more. All right. And I'm shaky. I'm sh I'm more shaky on this, okay? I I really am. The Toronto Raptors at 54 and a half. Now, they won what? 59, 60 games last year. Mm -hmm. And and what did they do in the trade? They sent DeMar DeRozan who's a very good shooter and playmaker, to San Antonio. And then, Trent, they acquired one of the top five players in the league, when healthy, Kawhi Leonard. A defensive dynamo, something that Rosen isn't. A rebounder, something that Rosen isn't. He's okay with assists, but he's also a tremendous offensive player as well. So I'm not sure at... You take a look here at Toronto at 54 and a half. I think this team is capable, even with Boston, even with Philly in the East. The East is still not very good, aside from those three teams. So I would advise people, although I'm not as sold on this one as I were the others, I still like the over right now for the Toronto Raptors. Over. That's the way I feel on that. At 54 and a half. Yep. 54 and a half. So four plays from Jimmy B. We will, uh, well, we'll have some fun with those going forward. We'll see how Mr. Brinson does. With that, we're due for a timeout. We're coming back on the other side with more. As we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight, Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. And welcome back, everybody. We continue here on the Big Talker 1700, Jimmy B and TC. Welcoming in basketball guru extraordinaire, Kevin Lehman is our guest now on 1700. Kevin, good afternoon, and welcome, as always, to the show. Where are you right now? Yep, where are you right now on some of the NCAA thoughts on, and the rule changes? Well, I think first, at first blush, it looks like a knee-jerk reaction to the FBI probe. But, Jimmy, I think you're on the right track uh, because allowing players to come back to college if they aren't drafted, I think, is a good thing. The problem is we've got a whole new issue now. If you're a college coach, do you have to save that scholarship so after draft? Are they going to have a floating-type scholarship? So that opens up another whole can of worms, and... You know, the more with the NCAA, they're trying to legislate morality, and you can't do it. I mean, the Rick Latinos of the world are going to find the loopholes in these rules. But I think there are some good things, and there's some things that need to be ironed out. 
Yeah, a lot of this appears to be surface level, nothing that digs into many of the problems that college basketball face overall. And you talk about the shady players that are out there. I don't know if anything that has been done here is going to right some of those things. And, you know, the one rule change that was applauded is allowing these guys, if they're not drafted, to go back and also get representation. But my question is, why did it take so long to get to this point? It seems like a no-brainer. Well, I think baseball does it, Trent, but mm-hmm. look what you're doing now. Easy access to agents, that still has implications where, okay, my mom's car broke down. Can I get a loan for a new car? Now we're moving it to not the freshmen in college, but possibly high school kids. And we know agents, uh, they're talking about they have to certify. Hey, that doesn't mean anything to these guys. There's so much money at stake. They need to get those big-time players, they're going to be NBA players, in their fold to get that 10% kickback as their agent. So the fact that they're going to move that to high school if the NBA uh, allows a, uh, eliminates the one-and-done. But here's what's surprising, Trent and Jimmy. You know, USA Basketball and the NBA, they act like they had no idea or were not consulted in these new rules that the NCAA dropped on them. So you kind of wonder if this, there's a huge disconnect between those three groups. I've, I've, there's got to be uh, because they were like stunned. Like, how come? How come you didn't speak to us ab- about this? And they're like, they, hey, we got we got caught with our pants down here. I, I I don't understand. And for me right now, Kevin, I'm pretty much done with the NCAA. I, I really am. I think they're a, a wasted group. And I think now that you have a commissioner for football, a commissioner for basketball, for hockey, for the different sports, and I, I, I think the I think the NCAA has far outlived its usefulness. Well, in many ways it has, uh, Jimmy, and I kind of relate a little bit. They're kind of like Barney Fife in Mayberry RFD. They got a gun, but they have no bullets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Give you new rules, but they can't enforce the rules and their penalties. I mean, we looked at uh, it with Brian Bowen takes a hundred grand at Louisville. DeAndre Ayton, who knows how much money went through his family's hands? It took the FBI to figure that out. The NCA did not have look subpoena ability; they couldn't do it. So that's a lot of times they say, "Hey, make as many rules as you want." But again, you're a little bit like Barney Fife if you can't enforce those rules and drop the hammer. What good are those rules? And that, that seems to be my issue with the NCAA. And we're looking at all these basketball rule changes for agents. What about football players? Can they get agents now when they're freshmen, uh, sophomores in college, and then eventually high school players? They didn't even address that issue. It's a wild time. And trying to do the right thing for the sport, keep the amateur status isn't the easiest thing just to go to an Olympic model where these guys are going to be able to profit off their likeness? Why is the NCAA so beholden to the amateur status when, especially at the level of college basketball and college football, we know what these guys are worth. It's certainly a lot more than the price of a scholarship at the highest levels. Doesn't it make sense to you? And, and, and Kevin, from your perspective as a former coach and, and now as a broadcaster, to go that route, or do you think there are too many pitfalls? Well, Tripp, that's the elephant in the room that they never talked about. Uh, as a college player, do you own your own likeness? Can you make money off your own jersey sales? 
or, or any other thing that use your likeness. That wasn't even addressed. We know that's a huge issue with student athletes because, uh, you know, NCAA is making billions of dollars on this uh, March Madness, Final Four, TV rights. And once again, as you mentioned, uh, tuition, room, board, books now are getting cost of living. They've changed that finally. But we're dealing, Trent and Jimmy, with elite few number of athletes. I mean, 60 are going to be drafted out of how many thousands play college basketball. So it's really an interesting, and there's no model to follow because we're the only country in the world that has athletes representing our universities. So they, I think I'm with you, Trent. It needs to move more toward the Olympic model, and uh, they go from there. We're having a great conversation with Kevin Lehman on basketball here on the Big Talker 1700. All right, Kevin, so let's go then to the respective teams quickly here in the state. Uh, Cyclone fans have the excitement back. They believe with the addition of Shyock and Jacobson and then the talented freshmen that are coming in that they're going to be an NCAA tournament again. Hawkeye fans are under the impression that, okay, now that Wieskamp is there, that they're going to be an NCAA tournament again. Let's start first then with Iowa State. And your opinion, legitimate chance for them with what they now have on the court to be an NCAA tournament team. Oh, I really think they are, Jimmy, because you know you mentioned uh, the addition of these players coming in, Jacobson, Shyock, great recruiting class. But don't forget about Nick Weiler-Babb and Lindell Wigington because guards are what get you to the tournament and guards are what win the tournament. Nick Weiler-Babb's got to be healthy. That is going to be a very, very dangerous Iowa State team because this recruiting class, they're going to be fun to watch develop and to see who can contribute to them right away. And, you know, they've got some inside guys with some experience and talent. I really like this Iowa State team. And, and Steve Probe, he's proved – he can coach him up. Now, tough last year, low on bodies, but this is going to be a big bounce back here for the Cyclones. Well, All right, then take me to, take me to the Hawks then. I, I just want to make sure that I, I don't want to shortchange here. I, I take me to the Hawks with how poorly they played in the Big Ten last year, and we know their defensive deficiencies. It seems to me Wieskamp doesn't change those defensive deficiencies. So, Kevin, tell me then how they can become an NCAA team. Well, I think we know the answer to that. you got to guard somebody. <laughs> I really thought they underperformed last year. I don't see them back-to-back years playing as poorly as they did. And you all you got to do is stick in the game safe here all summer, and their problems are at the defensive end. If they can guard people better, this is a team that can make the tournaments uh, I don't know if they can go deep in it. And their guard play, you know, Bohannon, they've got Connor McCaffrey's going to step in there. They'll be a little bit strong in that backcourt. I thought the backcourt lack of depth really hurt the Hawks last year. Not only offensively, guys, but at the defensive end, uh, the lack of depth and size and quickness in the backcourt was a concern because your defense starts with that front guy and his ability to control penetration and keep the ball from getting in the the heart of your defense. And, you know, Tyler Cook, how good is he going to be? Great summer. You know, he's at the Nike Academy right now. See if he comes back and can really lead this team because 
know, he has got NBA talent. I always, I kind of say Tyler Cook is an athlete trying to be a basketball player. We'll see if his basketball skills, basketball IQ, are better this junior year than they were in the past. Who's the most important player to Iowa for this year to make that leap back? Who is the one guy you'd point at? They need to take another step forward if Iowa is going to be that team competing for the top half. Boy, Trent, that is a great question because you look down that roster and they've got some talent. And I don't have any issues with what Garza is going to do up front while Cook. I think that's going to be a really strong front line. Uh, I think it's how much can Connor McCaffrey and Macy Daly contribute in that backcourt to give Jordan Bohannon some rest and some defensive prowess back or some size. I saw, I'll put it on those two guys, McCaffrey and Macy Daly. Where can they come? But I think we know what you can get on Reese Camp, even though he's a freshman. He's going to help him offensively. But I, and I'm with Jimmy. I don't know how good he's going to be on the defensive end. So I, I really point on those two guys because it's a backcourt issue to me. All right, then take us to UNI. And we know that the elephant in the room is going to be Loyola again in the Valley. Where's UNI in this mix? Well, not only that, Jimmy, but if you look at the Missouri Valley, this is going to be a really strong year for the Valley because Southern Illinois, which finished second, returns all five starters. They lose Tyler Smith, eaters, their sixth man. Everybody else is back. Uh, Illinois State, which lost in Loyola Championship game, they returned everybody off that team. And he's kind of like that Fred Hoiberg, Muller at Illinois State. He's a transfer guy. He accumulates talent. They're going to be good. Bradley returns everyone except one starter. They've got a seven-foot freshman that played well overseas. They're going to be good. And you mentioned Loyola. With Custer coming back and the rest of that team, this is going to be a really good valley. I'm looking, if I had to pick them today, I would pick Golden Iowa at that fifth spot behind behind those four Illinois schools. And I know uh, Ben Jackson gives me a hard time because I keep talking about the Illinois schools, but if you look at what they have coming back, you got to look at those top four schools and then you and I in that fifth position. Good stuff. Kevin Lehman joining us, a look around college hoops, and uh, always a fun one with you, Kevin. Thanks for your time here during the summertime. I know we're going to be talking a lot more in the coming months. All right, guys, you have a great day, and thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. You bet. Kevin Lehman joining us. Find him on Twitter as well, at Sports. Getting the timeout, coming back with more on the other side with you until 6 o'clock tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody. We get ready to close things out as Trent and I get ready for the weekend here on the Big Talker 1700. Trent, look, I know that we talked a little NFL with the uh, exhibition games from last night. There are a few more games this evening. Mm-hmm. I- I'm I'm just going to be curious for the uh, Atlanta and the Jets. I want to see what they do with Sam Darnold. I want to see how much playing time he gets, and uh, I just find it fascinating how the young QBs uh, did, uh, particularly Baker Mayfield throwing two touchdowns last night. I, I just want to see if Darnold has you know, some similar uh, 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 things that take place for him and if he has a good night as well. Well, and what I'm really looking for in that game is I want to see Teddy Bridgewater, you know, back in, and how healthy yes. he is a possible trade chip going forward, if that's something that's going to be in the cards for the Jets. 
certainly keeping an eye on that one. Look, these first preseason games that we talked about earlier, Jim, you can't glean a whole lot of them. It's a series, a couple of series, at most a quarter from the starters, and it's so disjointed. And I talked about that a lot watching Kansas City. It just seemed kind of clunky with the Chiefs last night, with the starters out there, with Mahomes taking over the quarterback. These games can be pretty ugly, but there's entertaining aspects to it, too. It's always mm-hmm. fun yeah. you know, getting a look and, and going deeper and names you hadn't thought of for a while and college guys that you remember from a few years back and still trying to hold on, getting a look at them late on. So, yeah, a doubleheader of NFL on NFL Network tonight. Game one, Atlanta at the Jets. Game two, the Lions at the Raiders. I'll keep a little eye on that one. And Gruden mm-hmm. back with the visor. Yeah. I, look, I, I want to see what happens here. I just want to see also, because they pick up, NFL Network picks up the local telecast. I don't know if they're going to have the Raiders or the Lions telecast up, but it should be interesting to see what is said about Khalil Mack holding out mm-hmm. and not really having any real conversations with John Gruden. So I, I find that to be an interesting aspect that will follow again tonight as well. And you can understand from Max's perspective, wanting to be paid like he probably deserves to. It, that certainly makes a lot of sense. That's one that I, I look at, and I think you're going to uh, hear a lot of this evening, too. And then we get into baseball, Jim, for this weekend. And, well, we had uh, Nationals-Cubs from earlier today. But going forward, that Sunday night matchup, I think, is going to be dynamite. The other series yep. that I'm really looking forward to to getting a look at is Milwaukee in Atlanta. I told yes. you, I, I haven't been able to get a great read on the Braves this season. Want to see them, and of course, with the Brewers in that fight for the division in the NL Central. Should be a good one. I'm looking forward to that this weekend. I'm going to uh, sample that one as well, just because of the Brewers trying to stay with the Chicago Cubs in the National League Central. So that one I have interest in as well. Look, I, I know we didn't speak about this, but quickly, last night, did you see... John Carlos Stanton's home run, 121 miles an hour exit velocity out of the yard, 446 feet. That exit velocity is the all-time high ever recorded. Jim, I'm so proud of you. The first time three-plus years ago I brought up exit velocity to you, you looked at me yes. like I had four heads. You, you, what is? Well, this I still work? look at you like that. Oh, well, I know, I know. But look at you coming around. Look at you opening up to new ideas. It, I, it can be difficult for the old timers to do that. And here you are talking exit velocity with me. That a boy, Jimmy B. Good work out of you. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks, Trent? There you go. A trick for Jimmy B. So, uh, yeah, this weekend the Twins are in Detroit. I don't know yep. at this point. I don't know if I'll even give it a cursory glance. Probably not a whole lot of that. Pirates are out in San Francisco. Meh. Okay. That's about yeah. all that is. Dodgers and Rockies, same kind of eh, okay. Not bad. Yeah, not that's okay. bad. Seattle, they're in, uh, in Houston. And how about King right. Felix getting relegated to the bullpen? Hey, they had to do something mm-hmm. because he was getting torched. So I don't think they had uh, any other um, uh, situation that they could deal from. I, I, I don't think resting him would have been that good of a deal. I, I think you send him out there and you use him as a middle relief guy and see how he responds because he can give you two or three middle relief innings without much of a problem. So... Uh, I'm okay with it. I hope it works for Seattle. I'd like to see them be in this race 
with the Oakland A's and, of course, Houston because I like races. I, I don't like it when a baseball team just runs away and hides from everybody this early. So uh, I would I would like to see a couple of teams uh, battling for that top spot. Yeah, just hang around, make it interesting, and give us something yeah. going into that final week of the season that we're keeping an eye on. I still think that I don't see Oakland or Seattle being able to catch Houston and win the division, yeah. but those two teams at least wild hanging card. around each other. Yeah, for the wild card in the last spot yeah. and more than likely going to Yankee Stadium to take on the Yanks there in the wild card game. Should be a lot of fun there. So you got baseball and, of course, the golf, Jimmy B. As uh, we've been watching Tiger throughout the day today, a lot of golf this weekend. Tomorrow it'll start at 10 a.m. on TV with TNT, then flip over, I think, 1 o'clock over to CBS for the PGA Championship. And at the top of the Let leaderboard, say, Gary Woodley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, yeah. What, what do you know about Gary Woodland? Because I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I know he, nothing. Was, he, he was a basketball player. Had a basketball scholarship. So the guy's a really good athlete. I know that. Uh, but he generally has a tendency to fade in the second round or the, uh, the last two rounds of a tournament. So we'll see if that MO stays the same. Let me say something here. Because I really got my panties in a bunch. Uh-oh. And, it, and it's with the PGA and TNT. Trent, why are they delaying their coverage to just afternoon coverage? It's the freaking PGA Golf Championship. Okay? They should have been on for the early part of the morning. I'm not saying that you got to go 24-7 here, but I am saying that not even showing the first groups, Woodland shoots a minus 10 and nobody sees it. Nobody even knows who the hell the guy is. I had to enlighten people that the guy was a basketball player. This is awful by the PGA. And it's your tournament, the Professional Golf Association. It's your tournament. You should be all over this with primetime coverage all day long, and instead you relegate it to five hours in the afternoon. Shameful, Trent. Absolutely shameful. Well, if you catch up with technology, you could have watched it. I watched it all day today. No, no, you watched it. You yeah, because you had to watch it on your iPad. I got a fifty-inch flat-screen TV. No, no, I, I don't want to. Look Great. Jim, with technology, you don't have to do that. All you Screw have to, technology. The, the, Make you, these guys work. Put it on TV. It was on. It was on my TV. I had it up on yeah. my television, Jim. Yeah, you have. You have to wire it. That's it. You have to plug it in either through your phone or your iPad. That's bogus. You can. I had to watch it off of Twitter. Off of freaking Twitter. See, it sounds here, like a I you problem. Here, I got your Twitter right here. Sounds, I got your Twitter right like here. Sounds like a you problem, Jim. Sounds like a you problem. <laughs> no. Well, hopefully, Put it on big screen. Hopefully your weekend turns out a little bit better. <laughs> Jeez. What a way to end the week, Jimmy. Be fired up as we get out of here. Jim, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. Thank you, my brother. And we will be back, everybody, bright and early, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday. Jimmy B and TC, it's the Big Talker, 1700.